Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at a public church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. So today we're starting a new series called Poured Out. I especially love this series because it's annual. Around October, November of every single year, we come back to this. It is based on one of our core values. So this series is like part of who we are as a church, part of our DNA. And in fact, we're going to put the core value on the screen. I'd love for us to read it together. Go. We generously pour out our resources for a mission bigger than ourselves. We've already heard about this in hosting. As Nathan talked about the fact that we have an event next Sunday for adoption and foster care awareness, why are we having that? Why do we celebrate the fact that people are adopting and fostering? And we got people in all three gatherings that are in some level of that journey. Why do we celebrate that? Because that's a way that they are pouring out their lives. So can we just celebrate everyone in our church who's part of foster care or adoption and the way we're serving through that? And you're going to hear about this. This is just who we are. It's why Michelle this morning is in China where she's teaching and serving and pointing people to Jesus there. It's why Megan is living in North Africa, telling people about Jesus who have never heard about him. It's why Nicole went to North Africa this summer and is trying to figure out what it looks like to be back there long term, to do the same thing that Megan's doing, to tell people about Jesus because living a poured out life, it's just who we are. It's why we're having trunk or treat. And you're like, what is trunk or treat have to do with generously pouring out our resources. Well, we're going to pour out our candy, except Nathan's not giving up his M&Ms. I can't blame him for that. But we're going to pour out our time and our money it takes to pull off that event. And why are we doing that? So we can love our community. This is just who we are. And generosity, it's, it's not just financial. It's looking at all the resources that we have been given and choosing to pour them out for the benefit of others for a mission bigger than ourselves. So for those of us who are bought in here, who worship, connect, and serve, and are bought into the public church family, this is just part of who we are. But the series, it applies to all of us, even if you don't follow Jesus, and even if you're here and you're like, I do follow Jesus, but I'm not sure if this is my place and my church family. Like This series applies to all of us because generosity is hardwired into every single one of us. Donald Miller actually says it better than I do. So I'm going to read a little bit from his book. Um, if you don't know who Donald Miller is, he runs a company called StoryBrand. They're phenomenal. He helps businesses, especially in marketing. And if you're in business, one of his big takeaways is that no matter what business you're in, you're in the people business because business is all about people. So if you're in business, you should write that down, not for me, from Donald Miller. But, but so he talks about human nature. And, and in this book, he talks about that we are designed to survive. I think we can all relate to this because all of us plan to wake up tomorrow, don't we? Is everybody like planning on that? How many of you are planning on taking a nap after this? Mm, come on. I plan to wake up from my nap. Okay, I'm just putting that out there. I think you probably do too. Like design, survival is designed into us. And part of our design to survive and desire to survive is also what he calls the innate desire to be generous. Here's what he says. We should be comforted by the fact that nearly all human beings have an enormous potential for generosity. 
Achieving an aspirational identity of being sacrificial actually helps us survive. And then in parentheses, he gives some ways to help us fend off enemies. It decreases outside criticism. It helps us earn trust in our tribe, etc. Then he says this, but it also taps into something truly redemptive. We want other people to survive too. Hardwired into us is an innate desire for generosity. And and maybe that doesn't extend to all people, but it does to most. And I think that as part of the image of God shining through our brokenness, that we are broken, but we're made in the image of God. And this innate desire for generosity is a little bit of that image of God shining through us. So the reality is, whether or not we follow Jesus, we want to live a poured out life. I mean, come on, none of us want to be known as Ebenezer Scrooge, do we? That we want to be known as people who are generous with all of our resources. So an overarching question for our series is this. How do we become who we innately want to be? So how do we become who we innately want to be? And that's a question we can wrestle with whether or not we follow Jesus. But Jesus followers, we got to kick it up a level for us. Because when we sign up to follow Jesus, when we say, hey, Jesus, I am going to follow you, then we relinquish the ability to hoard. In other words, when you walked in today in the gathering space, part of our vision statement that you see, or actually in the lobby, it says that we invite people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. Here's the thing. Embracing the journey of following Jesus means embracing generosity. How do we know that? Because here's what Jesus said. He said, the son of man, talking about himself, he said, the son of man did not come to, ser- to be served, but to serve. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a financial term. Here's what that means. We all have a sin debt that we cannot pay because all of us have chosen our way over God's. So there is a sin debt that separates us from God and none of us can write that check, but Jesus wrote it. In fact, the single most generous act in all of human history is Jesus' death on the cross. That's it. The single most generous act in human history is Jesus' death on the cross. He paid the debt that we could not pay. Therefore, embracing the journey of following Jesus means embracing the generosity that he displayed throughout his whole life. So Jesus followers, we do need to ask, how do we become who we innately want to be? But we also have to ask this question, how do we become generous like Jesus? Because we're going to follow him, this is the path that he's leading us on. So no matter where we are, there's an overarching question for us for this series. So this series is beneficial to all of us, but there's also an overarching problem that we all have to face. And today is about addressing that problem. In fact, to, the series would be incomplete apart from today's talk. To illustrate the problem, I have two glasses, and I'm just going to go ahead and show you what it means to pour out your life. So I'm going to pour out this glass into the other. Maybe little. Okay, this is on purpose. In case you're wondering, did he not prepare? Oh, this is on purpose. Um, audience participation, what's the problem? Why can't I pour anything out? It's empty. We can't pour out if we're empty. So here's the big idea, idea today. In case you have to sneak out early, you want to rewatch Tennessee beat South Carolina or you got an NFL game, whatever your reasoning is, no judgment here. But if you need to sneak out early, the big idea is this. A filled up life fuels a poured out life. A filled up life fuels a poured up life. 
We have to be filled up in order for us to then be poured out. And really at the heart of us means there must be a plan for us to consistently be filled up because a filled up life fuels a poured out life. So as long as I'm being filled up, then I have something to give. Does anybody want some water close to the front? Okay, here you go, Alexis. You're singing all day. You can definitely have some water. There you go. I promise I'll wash that. So that's something that we've got to wrestle with. Because I think a lot of us live in this tension of we want to live a poured out life. We're trying to figure out how to be more generous, how to pour out our resources in our lives, but we're just empty. (laughs) And it doesn't work. So we must have a plan to consistently be filled up if we're going to live the poured out life that all of us want to live. So today, here's how we're talking about the solution to that problem. We are going to look at the way Jesus followers are filled up, like the way. And to do that, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you want to go there in your Bible or Bible app, as we're going there, if you don't follow Jesus, you may be like, hey, why am I here? Because you're talking about the way Jesus followers are filled up. Here's the thing. We're praying for you. And we're praying that you would follow Jesus. Hopefully even today, we would love for you to choose to give your life to Jesus before you walk off this campus. And so what we want to let you know is that when you choose to follow Jesus, here's what you're signing up for. When you choose to follow Jesus, here's what's going to happen. The practice that we are talking about today goes from optional, when I feel like it, I might want to do it, to indispensable, essential, vital, non-negotiable. Because for all of us who follow Jesus, we're going to discuss the way that we get filled up. And we find that in a letter that Paul writes to Timothy, the second letter that he writes to Timothy. You guys are smart. You probably figured that out by second Timothy. Good job, guys. Um, But in this letter, here's the deal. Paul's relationship with Timothy is this. Paul discipled Timothy. In other words, he taught Timothy what it means to embrace the journey of following Jesus. And what Paul did, he was the like premier church planner of all time. I mean, Paul, under his leadership, the early church just exploded. And in this case, he planted a church in Ephesus, and eventually he handed that off to Timothy. I think in coaching terms, it was like Paul was the head coach, he moved on to a different job, and he handed the program, the keys to the vehicle, he handed that to Timothy. And Timothy is facing adversity. And Timothy is in danger of being what where a lot of us get to, where we're pouring out so much, but we're empty and we have nothing left to give. So Paul's going to take some time and say, hey, in the middle of all the adversity you're facing, make sure, Timothy, you understand that a filled up life fuels a poured out life. And here is how you as a Jesus follower must be filled up. So we're going to read verses 14 through 17 to get the whole picture. And then we'll come back. Paul writes, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. God's word is, an, is the irreplaceable way that Jesus followers get filled up. If we go back to our illustration, the water is the word. <laughs> like in the only way 
that we can be filled up is through the word of God. It is the way. It is irreplaceable. It is indispensable. It is vital. And it is essential. There's no way around time in the word if we want to become more like Jesus. Now, thankfully, Paul doesn't just say, hey, here it is. He actually begins to explain how and why as we go back and break this down. Verse 14, he says, as for you, continue. Well, continue in what? Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Notice he doesn't say continue in what you heard once and immediately believed. He says, continue in what you have learned over the course of time and what you have, again, along the journey become convinced of. To illustrate, I want to ask a question. I know that I ask you guys to participate a whole lot. So look, this is like participate this one time and you never have to raise your hand again if you don't want to, if you're uncomfortable, okay? But please, for the sake, there's people in this room who need to see some hands raised. So this is the one time I need you to participate. You get a free pass the rest of the time. Everybody good with that? Okay, here is the question. Raise your hand if you have unanswered questions about God's word. Raise your hand. Just look around. If anybody doesn't have their hand raised, they've never opened a Bible, okay? <laughs> like, we all, you can put your hands down. Thank you for participating. Free pass from now on. But we all have unanswered questions about God's word, yet some of us, not all of us, but some of us are convinced we have become convinced over time that God's word is trustworthy, that it's reliable, that if we skip down to verse 16, that it is God-breathed. Do you realize that the early church believed that this was literally the breath of God on a page? I gave you a free pass. You don't have to participate if you don't want to, but for those of you who still do, if you guys could just breathe, ready? <sighs> like our breath offers life. Think about a life and death situation like CPR. Our breath can literally offer life to someone. The breath of God is his word. This is the breath of God. It's literally breath on a page, and it offers us life. And the crazy thing is that some of us are absolutely convinced of that, even though we have unanswered questions. How do those two things work together? Because we trust the author. We trust the God who breathed on this page and we get his life and his breath. Here's why I trust him personally. Because our father in heaven sent his son Jesus to die for people that betrayed him, for people that never even acknowledged the sacrifice. And yet he sent Jesus anyway. And when I see the Father's heart in sending his only son, Jesus, to die, I trust him. I see that poured out generosity, and I choose to trust the Father. So when I come to the word, and I read passages, and I'm like, I don't really see the justice here. I don't understand how all this works out. At the end of the day, in my unanswered questions, I trust the Father's heart. But you know what that takes? It takes time to become convinced of the Father's heart. So for those of us who are convinced already, we need to give people some time. We need to begin to not just tolerate, but even welcome their questions, even the ones that make us mad and offend us. Because here's the deal. We believe what Jesus said, don't we? You know, Jesus said, I am the truth. So if Jesus said, if, if what he said is true, and if he is the truth, truth's gonna win. When people are on a journey towards truth, where are they ultimately gonna end up? Jesus. 
So let's give them time to learn and become convinced because guess what? Somebody gave us time. Somebody gave us that time to ask our questions and to become convinced. And if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, don't back away from the word of God. Lean into it. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts. Bring your expectations. Lean into it because we believe that over time, you, like so many of us, will become convinced, just like Timothy was convinced, that it's reliable, it's trustworthy, and it's literally the very breath of God on a page. And then Paul tells us one of the keys to Timothy's journey that really needs to be a key to our journey as well of the journey of becoming convinced. He says this in the end of verse 14. Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. He says, hey, Timothy, think about it. Think about who taught you the word. So who first taught Timothy the word? His mom and his grandmother. So can we take a moment and celebrate grandmothers and moms and ladies in our church family who are teaching the next generation the word of God? Can we celebrate that? (laughs) That's awesome. In my story, it was my mom and my Sunday school teacher, Shirley Kessley, who led me to surrender to Jesus. Uh, Indispensable in my life, influential in my life. And who else taught Timothy the word? Paul did. Paul came along and discipled him and taught him the word. So can we also celebrate fathers who are teaching the children the word of God? Can we celebrate that? And we're also gonna celebrate that our church is filled with some pause. Now, let me explain that before we celebrate it. Our church is filled with people just like Paul who are coming alongside children and students who maybe their dad doesn't feel comfortable teaching the word. Maybe their dad's not even around, but they are stepping into their life through sprouts or roots or public students. And just like Paul stepped into Timothy's life, these men are teaching our children and students the word of God. Can we celebrate these men? That is awesome. Because I had that too, and we need both men and women teaching us the word of God to get the full picture. That's what Timothy had, and we need that. And the key is when Timothy began to learn the word. It says, from infancy. That that word literally means when he was nursing. (laughs) That when Timothy was nursing, he began to learn the word. Here's why this is important. Timothy's clock for how long it's gonna take him to become convinced, started when he was a baby. We gotta start the clock in our children's lives. We gotta start the clock as early as possible in people's lives so that they have as much time as possible to study the word, to read the word, to become convinced that the word of God is literally the breath of God on a page that's trustworthy and reliable. Let's start the clock. So parents, Let's read the word of God to our children. You guys are special because you get to see Liam's Bible, which I highly recommend. Liam's is approaching two years old. And the reason you guys get to see it and the other gatherings didn't is because he reads it. Well, he doesn't read it, but we read it to him every morning. And if I had taken this this morning, he would have been upset because when he wakes up, guess what his routine is? Milk Bible. And we read it. I love it because in every single story, it has a Jesus connection. Say, hey, Liam, can you say Jesus? Jesus, and we celebrate. It's the Jesus connection, and then we pray together. And even though he's under two years old, he's getting 
the word. Not only that, but also at night, we've been reading through the book of Mark. In fact, last night, um, as I'm holding him and he's taking his milk and we're reading through the book of Mark, I said, Liam, we are in Mark chapter 15. Do you know that very soon we will have read an entire book of the Bible together? That means that before Liam is two years old, he will have had read to him an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Does he understand it? No. Last night, we're reading about the crucifixion. He has no idea what's going on. No idea. But here's the key. His clock has started. His clock has started so that he has from now and, and until he surrenders to Jesus that we pray that he does to become convinced that the word of God is reliable, it's trustworthy, that's literally the breath of God on a page. Our two-month-old Oliver, every night, as we pray over him, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, we're starting his clock. We gotta start the clock early. And that's why it's so vital, parents, that you not only read the word, teach the word to your children, and just a side note, if you're like, I don't know how to teach it, just read it. Like we literally just read from the New Living Translation, it's a kid-friendly version every night off my phone, the Version Bible app. Like that's what we do as he's drinking his milk. Just read it if you don't feel comfortable explaining it. But also get your kids here and get them involved. Because in Sprouts and Roots and public students, we've got some Pauls, we've got some incredible men and women who wanna come alongside and help you. Now the end goal, parents, is all of us who are parents, all of you who are future parents, being able to teach our children the word of God. And we wanna help you get there too. So keep listening, because we'll talk about that towards the end. So we wanna start the clock on people. And then it says this, here's why we wanna start the clock. Here's why the word matters. The end of verse 15, because the word, which are able, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love this phrase, make you wise, because what it means is that our brains are rewired. We see new patterns. The Word of God literally has the power to rewire our brains. And you know what it rewires us towards? Jesus! (laughs) We are rewired towards salvation by faith in Jesus. So if you're here and you're like, I have questions about Jesus, I'm wondering if I wanna follow him, here's the invitation, read about him. There's four eyewitness accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark's the shortest, you can start there because you're gonna feel accomplished when you've gotten through 16 chapters. But read about Jesus because the word of God literally rewires us and points us towards the fact that Jesus died and he rose again and we need to surrender our lives to him to be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God. It points us that way. And then verse 16 says, all scripture is God breathes, we've talked about that, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I love that it doesn't just say that all scripture is God breathes, but all scripture is God breathed and is useful. But here's what some of your journeys may be. We've seen people go on this journey. Some of you may believe it's useful before you believe it's God breathed. Here's what I mean. I give this offer sometimes and I'm extending it to you today. Hey, even if you don't follow Jesus, Read it and start trying to do it. Even if you don't follow Jesus, read it and start trying to do it. And what you'll see is that it's useful. The principles in God's word are the best way to navigate our time on earth. And we pray that you see it's useful. You'll eventually see that it's God breathed. More on that in just a moment. Here's what it does for us as we get into the word. I love how the message 
says, verse 16, the message version says this, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Let's just go through that. What does God's word do? Shows us truth. And truth is a person, his name is Jesus. The scripture all points to Jesus. So look, if we wanna know what truth is, we don't find truth by journaling about it. We don't find truth by reading articles or watching news stories. We find truth by getting in God's word and being introduced to Jesus. And we just read, the scriptures point us to Jesus, rewire our brains to make us wise for salvation and faith in Jesus. Not only that, but it exposes our rebellion. This is one of the beautiful things about seeing God's word as useful before you see it as God breathe, because as you see it's useful and as you try to apply it, you're gonna get to a place you're like, I can't do this. And what it's gonna do is it's gonna be useful to the point that it usefully reveals your rebellion. (laughs) It usefully shows you that there is a sin debt that you cannot pay, that there is a gap between you and God that you cannot close apart from surrendering your life to Jesus. It exposes our rebellion and our sin. But what I love is it doesn't just stop there and say, ah, here's what's wrong. It says, ah, here's the solution. As it points us to Jesus, as it corrects our mistakes. Hey, you may have messed that up last time, but read God's word and it's gonna show you how to navigate that road better this time. Because the last thing, it trains us in God's ways. All of us who follow Jesus have questions like this. How do I make Jesus my pattern? in this ethical decision at work? How do I make Jesus my pattern in this relationship? How do I follow Jesus in my marriage? How do I follow Jesus in this conflict? How do I follow Jesus in this business deal? How do I follow Jesus in in the situation where I have a boss, I just don't quite like, like, how do I follow Jesus in the daily specific moments of our life? We learn because we're trained by God's word. And God's word teaches us how to follow Jesus in all of those moments. But we're not gonna learn that unless we spend time in his word. And so in verse 17, he says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That phrase thoroughly equipped means completely qualified. And every good work, hey, that's the rest of the series. The rest of the series, we're gonna talk about what it means to live a poured out life and ways that we can do that. But our starting point, our backdrop for the series is this thought, a filled up life is fueled by a poured out life. And the way Jesus' followers are filled up is through the word of God. That's what he says in verse 17. It thoroughly equips us, it fills us up, prepares us to then be poured out. Keep in mind, the word is the water. And the good news is, like this picture's gonna run out and I don't have some like magic contraption where I can keep refilling this, that'd be really cool. But the illustration breaks down. Hey, God's word, it's the breath of God on a page. It's living, it's never gonna run out. It's never gonna be empty. We can go to it and we should go to it every day for the rest of our lives. And we're gonna keep getting filled up and filled up and filled up so we can keep pouring out. So question we have to ask is how do we consistently be filled up by God's word. And that word consistently, huge. The reality is this, essential, but not enough. It's essential that we gather like this. It's biblical. Read Hebrews. 
it's not enough. Community groups, that we not only do this, but we take it another step and we get in homes where we talk about God's word, also essential. But you take a gathering and a community group alone, still not enough. It's not enough until there's the collective element and the personal element of us sitting down with just us, Jesus, if you're anything like me, also a cup of coffee, and getting in the word of God. So I just wanna share some ways to do that. Because some of you may be sitting here going, I wanna do it, that's great, I know I need to do it. How, like like how do I do this? So the first tool that I wanna put in your hands is an email address, katie at publicchurch.com. Because whether you're watching or whether you're in the room, you can email Katie and here's what's gonna happen. Somebody on our team would love to sit down with you. Or if you don't live here, would love to call you and literally talk to you about how to study God's word. Literally open a Bible with you and walk you through how to be filled up by the word of God. So give us that privilege by sending that email and you can do that right now. The second thing I would say is you need a strategy. A strategy that we love around here is the SOAP method. So if you wanna get out your phone and just take a picture of this, I highly encourage it. SOAP means that when you sit down with the word, like I'm reading through 1 Corinthians right now, the scripture part means I may read several verses, but I'm gonna write down the verse that stands out the most. Like literally, if I'm doing SOAP, I'm gonna write the verse down. Observation, that's what is the living word of God saying? Like, what is it saying to me? And so I'm gonna write down that observation. A is the application. How does what I've observed, interpreted from the text, how does the living word of God impact my everyday life? That's huge, we gotta ask that. And then the prayer is just simply, Jesus help me do this. Incredible method for us to study God's word. But here's the big idea as we think about tools. Start somewhere with big goals. Just start somewhere with big goals. Maybe your start is an email. Maybe your start is soap. Maybe your start is getting on the YouVersion Bible app, which is phenomenal. And there are all kinds of Bible plans on there. Bible reading plan after Bible reading plan on there and just doing one of those. Maybe your starting point is getting a study written by somebody. Start somewhere, but have big goals because the end goal is just you and the word. Just me and the word. The other stuff is great. It's stepping stones, but the end goal is the living word of God filling us up. Not what somebody else wrote about it, not a study, the word. It doesn't mean we don't have other tools as Whitney and I are reading through 1 Corinthians. We have a commentary by N.T. Wright. That means it's a book that shares some history and some culture and some insights into stuff that's hard to understand. Those tools are great, but still at base level, it's the word and us. And coffee, I might add, but, but that's the goal. That's where we wanna get to. That's what we wanna train our children and the next generation to get to because a filled up life fuels a poured out life. And the word of God is the irreplaceable way Jesus followers get filled up. So Spencer's gonna play, and literally that's gonna be the only noise in this room as we take a moment and literally wrestle with this question. It's so important that we're just gonna pause and give you a moment to begin to write down your answer to this question. How do we consistently be filled up by God's word. So if you wanna write it in your phone, if you wanna write it in maybe a journal you brought or, or grab a card in the seat in front of you, but take some time, give about just a minute and a half, not super long, but wrestle with this, it's essential. We have to wrestle with it and here's why it matters so much. If we don't have a plan, we'll walk out of here and not do anything. I've been there. I've sat through talks like this, oh, that's good. You read the Bible more and walk out and just go to lunch. 
If we don't have a plan, we won't do anything. So here's 90 seconds, a minute and a half to begin writing your plan. I think one thing that would help us that we have to understand, when we talk about the fact that the word is God breathed, you know what that means? It means that our God is living and so is his word. (laughs) That Jesus died, but he rose again. There were some people who read this that had seen Jesus. And there were people that read this that knew somebody who had literally seen Jesus. And so like, okay, the word's alive. My God's alive. It makes sense that the word is alive. And so we must prioritize this word. If we look at the graphic, our creative team does an awesome job. And I love this graphic because the waterfall, like that's what I want. Like I want my life to be a waterfall of just generosity where I'm just pouring out every day in multiple ways and I'm just being poured out. But we've said it before to say it again, the water is the word. The only way that we become a waterfall is to let God's word fill us up over and over again. That's power. In fact, we're gonna end with verse 15 in the message translation. I love what it says. It says, there's nothing like the written word of God. Does anybody in the 12 o'clock love the word? Can we just celebrate that we love the word for a minute? (laughs) It's awesome. There's nothing like it. And here's what it does. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So here's my question. Anybody walk in not following Jesus? and the word has now shown you the way to Jesus and you wanna follow him. And so our prayer team in just a moment, John Ogle's gonna to go towards the back and I'm gonna give you an opportunity. If you walked in and you didn't follow Jesus and now the word has pointed you to Jesus for you to literally get up, go to John and talk to him about what it means to follow Jesus. And you're like, well, that's kind of scary. Well, our name is Public Church. So that means our faith has to be public. Like we gotta let people know. So just go ahead and make it known from the beginning. And to help you out, we're all gonna stand up. Could we stand up? Because that way, if you need to get by somebody, you're not necessarily having to step over them, you're just kind of shoving them. Shove them out of the way. If they won't move, look, you've got permission to knock them down. Don't let them stop you from getting to Jesus. Like this is a moment for you to have the courage to go to the back and say, I walked in today and I didn't follow Jesus, but the word of God has opened my eyes. It's made me wise towards Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Go to John. And we're gonna sing a song. It's called, As You Find Me. And it's beautiful. It's just about how God loves me just as he finds me. He loves you just as he finds you. But later in the song, there's a driving part that says your love's too good to leave me here. And that is the story of Jesus. That if you don't follow him, he loves you right where you're at, but he wants to change you. And he's gonna do that. He's gonna fill you up and change you through his word. So if you don't follow him during this song at any point, go to the back. And for those of us who already follow Jesus, let's sing this song about the love of Jesus on behalf and in faith towards those who need to follow him. Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I pray that as we sing this song, that people would have the courage to literally go to the back and talk to John about what it means to follow you. And Jesus, the rest of us, we just wanna sing in faith. We wanna praise you for your love and sing for the people who are gonna follow you, hopefully before we walk off this campus.